1: Thanks for tuning in and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine.
2: The nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show.
3: Out front and out loud since 1974. I'm Wenzel Jones.
1: I'm Abby Dees.
3: And I'm Steve Pride. Tonight
1: is our annual kickoff show for OutFest, the yearly LGBT
3: film festival right here in Los Angeles. And film producer J.D. DeSalvatore will dish about must-see films in the festival. Supermodel turned actress...
1: Patricia Velasquez. <laughs> we, we like to say things in unison here. <laughs> we'll be here in studio to talk about her film, Liz in September.
2: And Tab Hunter will fill us in on the documentary about him called, of course, Tab Hunter Confidential. Well,
1: that's a lucky coincidence, isn't it? It the is name? very, yeah. very. Lucky. The Tab Hunter. But it's, first, mm-hmm. the national and international news from our friends at This Way Out. <laughs>
4: I'm Carol Myers. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending July 4th, 2015. Breaking with several other African regimes, Mozambique officially decriminalized homosexuality on June 29th, 180 days after lawmakers removed that provision from the nation's penal code. The law had not been enforced since the country gained independence in 1975 but it was still illegal to be habitually engaged in vices against nature. The statute, created in 1886, was a remnant of Portuguese colonial rule. It called for such acts to be punished by three years' hard labor, institutionalization in a mental health facility, and or disbarment from professional life. Decriminalization in the Southeast African nation, however, does little to prevent widespread violence and discrimination against sexual and gender minorities. Lambda, Mozambique's largest LGBT rights group, has been fighting for official government recognition for many years. They're currently
5: campaigning for anti-bias laws. It looks like a cross-party marriage equality bill will be introduced in the Australian parliament in August. Sky News first reported that Liberal Party MPs Warren Ench and Teresa Gambero will sponsor the bill, joined by opposition Labour MPs Terry Butler and Laurie Ferguson. Independent MPs Andrew Wilkie and Kathy McGowan will co-sponsor the bill. The Australian reports that the measure will remove the definition of civil marriage in current law as a man and a woman and replace it with two people. The bill will apparently also guarantee that religious institutions will not be forced to conduct marriage ceremonies for gay and lesbian couples. A Liberal Party caucus will reportedly discuss allowing a free vote on the bill a week after it's introduced. Liberal Prime Minister Tony Abbott remains entrenched in his opposition to both marriage equality and to a conscience vote on the issue. The proposal won't pass without his MPs being allowed that free vote. Abbott brushed off the U.S. Supreme Court ruling last week as having nothing to do with his country. Despite the Prime Minister's opposition, however, Australian Marriage Equality National Director Rodney Croom called the pending proposal the strongest opportunity we have ever had of achieving marriage equality.
4: But gay and lesbian couples in
5: Ireland, where a national marriage equality referendum
4: won overwhelming support in May, apparently won't be able to tie the knot later this year as originally thought. What the Irish Times called likely pointless legal action from opponents will probably delay the government's official go-ahead on opening the civil institution to same-gender couples until 2016. A senior government official told the newspaper that, Our hands are tied. We are at the mercy of the courts. We are ready to go when the referendum result is final. The source added, but it looks like we are a long way from that
5: point. In other news, riot police in Istanbul used tear gas, water cannons, pepper spray and rubber bullets to break up the city's annual LGBT pride march on June 28th before it could even step off. More than 50,000 people have attended the colorful event in recent years. But according to Agence France-Presse, the scene turned violent this year after some of the rainbow flag-waving celebrants began chanting slogans against Turkey's president Recep Tayyip Erdogan and denouncing the fascism of his regime. A media statement issued by the Istanbul LGBTI Pride Week Committee said that the march had "...suddenly been banned by the Istanbul governor's office, using the month of Ramadan as the reason without any announcement." They said this week that they would file criminal complaints against several government officials who were involved in ordering the attacks. Though same-gender sex is not illegal in predominantly Muslim and socially conservative Turkey, homophobia is widespread. Istanbul Pride Weekend is billed as the largest gay pride event in the Muslim world, with marches, concerts, and festivals spread out over a four-day period. This was the 13th annual LGBT Pride March in Turkey's most populous municipality. But it was the first to end violently. Capping Seoul's 16th annual queer
4: cultural festival, thousands marched in the South Korean city's Pride Parade on June 28th. The crowd probably numbered somewhere between the 6,000 cited by police officials and the organizers' estimates of more than 20,000. Hundreds of anti-LGBT protesters were at the parade, singing religious songs and holding up placards reading, homosexuality is against nature. They also set up a booth to collect signatures for a petition to outlaw homosexuality in South Korea, while more than 90 LGBT rights groups, embassies, and global companies set up booths in support of equality at Seoul Plaza. Marchers paraded through the central city that evening on a route that was only revealed at the last minute to prevent Christian fundamentalist protesters from blocking the procession as they tried to do last year. Police officials had in late May rejected the Pride organizers' application to hold the march, citing traffic disruptions and possible clashes with opponents. The Seoul Administrative Court, however, ruled in favor of the LGBT activists
5: overturning the police spam. Members of a homophobic right-wing Jewish group in New York City demonstrated against this year's Pride Parade in the Big Apple, but not in person. As documented by the New York Times, they hired about a half-dozen Mexican day laborers to protest the June 28th march. When asked, the men confirmed that they were not Jewish and said that they had been paid to wear traditional Orthodox attire and hold signs bearing the logo of the Jewish Political Action Committee with such well worn slogans as, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Hershey Freed, a member of the Brooklyn based group, told The Times that the men were filling in for yeshiva students who would have otherwise been there. The rabbis said that the yeshiva boys shouldn't come out for this, he said, because of what they would see at the parade. That's News Wrap for the week ending July fourth, 2015. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by
4: you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Carol Myers. And
5: I'm Tanya Kane Perry.
4: You can hear all 30 minutes of the latest This Way Out,
2: including more news wrap, on Stitcher Radio On Demand, on iTunes, or at thiswayout.org.
3: J.D. DeSalvatore is an American LGBT film and television producer, director, and gay rights activist. Just a few of her credits include the award-winning Shelter, Eating Out 2, A Marine Story, Gay Propaganda, and Elena Undone.
1: She's been honored by the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, by GLAAD, and... You know, honestly, it would take me the rest of the show just to read all her credits and the things she's doing. And I'm oh God, why don't we just talk to her instead? Because she's here in studio with us for the rest Might of the show. Easier. Right in front Shady. of us. Hey, guys.
0: <clears throat> Thanks for having me on again. I love talking about Outfest pre-Outfest.
1: Pre-Outfest. Well, I like you because you're a truth
0: teller. Yeah, I will tell you what's what I like and what I don't. Well, okay. Exactly when is Outfest? It's coming up starting Thursday, right? Absolutely. It's starting Thursday. They're going to have 10 days. It's going to be amazing. You know what it's like. This is sort of the quiet before the storm. Once they get going, they've got several uh, venues going, and it's not just screenings, but they have incredible parties and receptions and panels and filmmaker breakfasts, and they have all sorts of things going on. So it's a very exciting time for... For the gays and
1: I know people say well why do i need to go to out because we can see so many gay
0: things Netflix. on tv no 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 no. it's totally different it's it totally is. different okay what well, um, are
1: saying in that theater
0: no no well here's the thing here's the thing about us as gays uh, that's not the same of any other minority we've lived all our lives in, in in secret i mean our stories aren't told there there are gay people that have lived and died in silence I mean, we live in silence because we can hide. So now our stories get to be told. I mean, that's what I love so much about this film festival. I've already seen films from, like, all over the world, different parts of the country, different stories from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And, I mean, these are stories that no one knows about. I mean, it's nice that we're starting to be on TV and we're starting to be in mainstream movies. We're just two steps past tokenism, though. Let's face facts. You know? I'm saying, there's something so different. Let's tell different. our stories. There's something know? so
1: different about sitting in that DGA theater oh, yeah. surrounded by your... Your, your tribe yeah, watching I mean. a
3: film. Just well, the, the quest- energy. And the question I always have is, when you talk about 10 days of film, is it hard to find 10 days of film or is it hard to winnow it down to 10 days of film?
0: I wonder how that is for them. I don't know because I'm not involved in, in programming, but um, you know, they have a new program- programming staff over there and a new director of programming I'm really impressed with. I mean, right away you can tell... The I don't know, maybe it's because more people are making films, but the quality of films this year, it's a huge step, not only up, but there's also a lot of I mean, it's a lot of very good quality and also a lot of like sort of mini commercial films. You know, films that you could see at your multiplex, only it's not at your multiplex because they're gay-centric stories, but they're very fun commercial films. And then the quality of all the other films, it's just, you know, the zany comedy is actually kind of really good. You know, the, the big dramatic film is actually really good. And you know what? The documentaries are always strong, and they're, and they're strong this year, too. I mean, and very they're not moving. all
2: going to end up on Netflix, and they're not all on iTunes. Oh, no.
0: Oh, and you could see it first. I mean, they might end up on Netflix three years from now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I just finished covering Frameline, and my assumption usually is I'll see the same films here at, at Al-Fest, and it's not. There's very little overlap. I was stunned about
0: how many different films there are at this festival from the one that was just ha- a month ago. And all the filmmakers come and the actors come. Like, I got a kick. Uh, I saw Liz in September. It was really nice to meet her and hear her stories, I mean, which you're going to hear in a few moments when you have her on.
3: And we're talking about Patricia Velasquez. Thank you. Yes,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
2: do love the international stuff, the commitment also to telling the stories that aren't getting necessarily told on the mainstream outlets. Um, That just makes a huge difference because that really is the truth of our lives, contrary to what a lot of people want to think, that we're all just very rich and living in WIO.
0: Yes, well, don't, don't spread that rumor too far. We liked it. The only reason the corporate America loves us so much is they have the <laughs> they think we're like the big money <laughs> demographic. Never
2: mind, we're all very rich. Yeah, we're, we're all very rich, house. and we buy
0: products and keep putting us in your commercial advertising. Oh, very much that so. does but, work. Uh, but it, it was wonderful. Like, some of these stories took me to places that I, I just, I loved. I loved hearing these stories and hearing from these people, and I've been involved in, you know, gay activism for 15 years, so I'm a little bit more familiar with a lot of stories that have been told to me through the course of my work. But if you're not, like the, this is a fantastic opportunity. And like I said, most of these movies are just fun. I mean, they're just good. They're fun. And, you well, know. Let's get specific. Yes, Tell I me want, what I you really think we better not miss. I'm going to go through what I've seen and, and just by the schedule. First of all, uh, as far as documentaries um from this day forward was was sensational it's basically a daughter that made a documentary about her father's transition into a woman but there was something so like painfully personal about it like it might not have been the best documentary it might be just be like i'm going to make a documentary about my dad's transition and that's what made it gold
3: is this the one where her best friend's father is also transitioning there in indiana is that the same movie no. Oh, okay. Never mind. But this one was just. Well, I, how many can there be? <laughs> I'm.
0: This is one of those docs where I'm like, I hope the subject shows up because I have to meet her. Because just uh, besides the transitioning story, which is I, I can't give too much away, but there's a fantastic arc there and story in the story that is that is almost like heart wrenchingly heartbreaking. And I think it really tells the story of what a lot of older trans people that the that uh, transition go through very well you know I'm not so sure the kid making the documentary knew she was doing this, but again it's raw I mean she's just showing you what's happening, but also the subject is just a wonderful woman full of full of whimsy, and she's an artist, and she's a little i don't want to say kooky, but she's like that great spirit, like one of those special people that you meet once in a while, just aside from the story or the trans just in general but the story once is very compelling. It's called From This Day Forward. Oh, I have to see that. You'll like it. It's short. It's fantastic. Okay, it's not to I liked Seed Money, and this is going to be an easy sell. Yes. Oh, you're already. This is right. the about. best
1: title of any movie ever. <laughs> it so Why do I perfect. feel
0: like it's about yes, donations
2: it of a
1: kind? No, no. no it's no. about
2: pornography. Oh. Never mind, I really, I didn't go there, did I? (laughs) But
1: I didn't, did you guys know any of of this? I I knew some of it. The importance of porn, being a gay man, I remember that was our liberation. We didn't have gay, those were, they were our gay movies, they were our outfits.
2: We had rape hotline trainings. (laughs) Oh
1: <laughs> That's
0: being okay, that so was serious. back in the day I'm sorry maybe um, young people have porn now I don't know this it was just it was fascinating now this was a good documentary very in depth obviously for fans of you know 1970s 80s gay porn you're going to see a lot of clips but the story was fascinating what's the guy's name that it's mainly about Chuck Holmes Chuck Holmes who was
1: the, the founder of Falcon Studios
0: right and then he went on to be a supporter of Clinton and he was a big uh, political donor I mean again a, a fascinating profile but a wonderful glimpse into our history. I was fascinated from beginning to end. And
1: even though porn was there for us as representing sexually positive images, no matter what you think of porn, back then that was all we had. Yeah, yeah. Um, He was treated like a leper, really, when he wanted to give money to us. Oh, yeah. Us.
0: No one wanted anything to do with him. And he was also quite taken with fame and yachts and money. Like, he was one of those guys. He wanted Mm. to show off his money. Fascinating character study and very well done. And then the other one that's totally kind of in the same boat, but I loved it, was The Glamour and the Squalor. And this is about, everyone can relate to this, like the Kurt Cobain, that indie rock that happened, where was it, Portland or Seattle? Seattle. Northwest. The Northwest. Um, So there was a gay DJ there that basically was the one that found all these bands found all these bands so this story is about him also fascinating tragic you know character study full of flaws but it's set against the backdrop of all these indie bands that came out in the 90s so there's music clips from them there's the whole history of 90s indie rock you know and it's again i'm from that time i remember hearing all this music um it's not gershwin um (laughs) But I found this completely fascinating, the history of it. Like, it's stuff I bet you don't know. And and it's great clips and great stories. And the story of the guy is also fascinating. Also gay, also had a hard time coming out, was also difficult to be gay in this environment.
2: Makes me think of Brian Epstein managing the Beatles, discovering the Beatles and all those things.
0: Exactly. So this is a story like that. So it's fascinating. The guy's still alive, so they were able to interview him. And obviously the stockpile of Super 8 films and audio tapes and old interviews with Kurt Cobain and all those all those indie rockers. So that, I just had a great kick watching.
1: And I love Teb Hunter Confidential, which we'll oh, be yeah. talking about in the next oh, half yeah. hour. So we need to get into now. But the other one I really liked, I'm surprised because it's not the gayest film there. She's the best thing in it. Oh, yeah. That was such a great film of Mary Louise Parker? Wilson. No. Wilson. Wilson. I get them confused I all do the that time, too. and they're not
0: remotely alike. <laughs> If you love theater, if you're a real theater person, like old school, like I have 500 playbills at my house in Binders, yeah, you'll like this. It's about, you know, a Broadway veteran actor, Mary Louise Wilson. Wilson. We almost did it, and <laughs> because she is that actress, you never right. quite know her name. It's we just right. seen the beauty. A million but she's times been in everything. Which is the beauty of the documentary, by the way. Like when you go see this documentary, you're gonna go, "Oh, that's her from The Sopranos or from yeah. One Day at a Time or whatever." And what's fascinating is uh, Ron. Nice winner. Made it, who wrote uh Philadelphia, Pinnacle and when we talk about course cinema. And he was also the director of Soldier's Girl. Which was unbelievable. Oh, no, he was the, right? writer of he Girl. was the writer of Soldier's Girl, you know, which was an amazing movie if no one's seen that. Also a very early, amazing uh, you know, Culpernia Adams. That's yeah. that's her story. Um So he actually made this documentary, and it's it's super fun. If you like theater, you're gonna love it because she talks about uh, Sanford Meisner. They interview, you know, Estelle Parsons. You know, it's if it's theater,
2: it's gay. I I, I'm satisfied. (laughs) It belongs.
3: And she had done Great Gardens with Christine Embersall and she did Full Gallop, the one man woman show about uh, Diana Vreeland. I mean, she's done some great, super theatrical stuff that we didn't really get to see here.
1: And something that raised a really interesting question for me: the concept was. Do I sound gay? Which Abby and I have talked a lot about, the gay voice. Yeah. So we're actually going to have him on, I think, next week. Or oh, I or think no.
2: that'll be wonderful, and I want to th- test my theory but You'll all have to see. Any tuned. narratives
0: that, that are that's just like really
1: tickling your fancy.
0: The narratives. Yeah, I'm looking now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few out okay. at you. Naz and Malik. I love that film. Yeah, it's flawed. That Beast Story's yeah. got some bad acting, but this <laughs> this this movie is fantastic. It's, it's a it's, different story. Well, it's just engaging. It's a, it's just a regular gay male love story, but it's two Muslim kids in New York City, and the environment really. This is one of those films where you really feel like you're in this neighborhood. You're with these people, and the two leads are fantastic, and it's Naz and Malik. It's, and, and
3: where are they exactly in the Middle East? Where.
0: They're not in the Middle East. They're in New York City. Oh, oh, they're in New York. They're in the Middle East of New York City. Oh, I see. (laughs) No, they're in New York City. Okay, black Muslims. They're black Muslims. You're confusing me now.
3: Okay. No,
0: it's a fantastic movie. And again, they they shoot a lot of it in the streets of New York and you get the real feel for the community and the families. And it's, you know, one of these stories with these two guys and they know each other from school and they're religious and they fall in love. And it's got a cute it's commercial. It's that's the B story that kind of falls off the rails a little bit. But you can just you can totally get through that. Um you know, where they're being like a police officer is kind of like investigating them because they think they might be terrorists, but they're not. They're gay. I mean, woo. Um, <laughs> but they they have that. But so it's kind of structured like a commercial film. So it plays like a commercial film. And it is also great. And then here, I liked S&M Sally. I always like <laughs> Michelle Allen in her films. She did heterosexual Jill and Butch Jamie. This is a really talented woman. She writes, directs, and stars in her films. And she's... She's very funny. She's got the facial expressions, and she's just like one of those rare little finds. I hope one day. she I need to give
1: it. a shout out to a film I saw just today from Australia called Drown. Oh yeah, that'll well, wreck you guys. Yeah, it's such a thriller and it's such a, a, a roller coaster ride. It's about lifeguards. So if I give them in the door.
0: Yeah, you'll all go. So it's about lifeguards in Australia. Have to make
1: it lifeguards. Just go and, and see yeah. it. and, and one of them's
0: me. gay, right? At least yeah. one of them. Well, po- you know. probably more. It was very. Right. But it's a phenomenal film that will wreck you. Not in a good way. It's very honest, brutal. It does not look away from, you know, the way gay men are persecuted by bullies that are, in fact, self-hating gay people. You know, so if you were ever brutalized in high school or college by that jock guy who's actually secretly gay, you know, this is the story of that and and it really shows us a lot from his perspective. And they do it in speedos. And they do it in red speedos. Yeah, no, they're they're half naked or naked through the whole movie. People love it and they're definitely good looking men. Another phenomenal gay male movie that's for everybody is Sebastian. Did you guys see that? Yes I did. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fantastic also will tear your heart out i think a little bit not not dramatically but it's about uh you know a man who goes what where what country does he go to do you remember he leaves his comfortable existence in la and he goes to peru and then you know cuz his mother's dying and he finds out that he has a son from his girlfriend back when he was there in straight but in this little town it's very anti gay so it's a big it's it's a great little story wonderful performances Very honest, good movie. Are there any wacky comedies? Yes. There's one (laughs) I really liked. Uh, I'm dying for a wacky comedy. You'll like this. So this is a lesbian film. The Wacky Comedy Award. There's two. I'll tell you the gay boy one, too. Uh, Portrait of a Serial Monogamist. It's just funny. It's like one of these contemporary where you have a woman lead, like something you'd see with Amy Poehler or something. Um, You know, it's just about allegedly, you know, we're kind of making fun of lesbians, I guess, here being serial monogamous. (laughs) But the why this one stands out is it's it's funny, you know, and that S&M Sally is also a comedy. It's a little bit more edgy because it's about, I guess, S&M. But uh, a portrait of a serial monogamist is funny. And then (laughs) you kill me. You're killing me with Jeffrey's self. I thought that was really cute. Oh my god, yeah. it was hysterical. It was very sexy too. This is how shallow West Hollywood is. What if there was a serial killer in the midst of your little gay boy group down at the Abbey? Like, what would you do? N- if would you they were hot? Would you notice? Is the is the punchline? So this has got some awesome talent in it. Drew Drogue and uh, who else is in it? Jeffrey's self and Sam. Pancake. Sam Pancake. It's got like those standard like real talented comedic actors. And they but, feel like
1: they really are friends. And maybe they are in real life. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But those, so that's kind of a, and guidance, we have to say, oh, is kind guidance. of a step above the rest of the films in this category. You know, it's about, oh, it's hysterical. And another actor that just stands out, you're like, okay, he's going to go somewhere. But it's about like, you he's know. Also a al- writer and producer as well. So is a very, he, very talented he, guy. Well, he deserves to put himself in his film, and you can't say that about a lot of people. Um, he, uh, you know, alcoholic, loser, broke, would-be, former child actor. And he is now, <laughs> the last thing he could possibly do is be a guidance counselor to high school students you're and hurting you
1: Wenzel's know, feelings because yeah, that's yeah. his life goal oh I'm sorry
0: okay. you want me to hold you no, I'm um, starting tomorrow yeah and it's, it's I mean it's like you know you're going to see him offering liquor to, to kids and you know it's that movie but it's well done and it's funny
2: so what is the basic 411 what do people need to know right now
0: um, go down to the DGA any day this week and pick up a program and buy some tickets and head on down. And you know the DGA—they have many. Um, the Ford is not open this year, y'all. I know drinking outside has been a blast for all of us, but no, um, we can
1: do that any day. But here. they
0: are doing—they're uh, going to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. But head down to the DGA and just stop in the DGA. The on Directors the Guild. The Directors Guild of America is on Sunset, sunset. around Fairfax. Yeah. And that's, like, the home base. And you can always go in there and grab a cup of coffee or a cocktail, meet your peers, grab a program, figure out a film to see. And
1: if you're and shut in, like some of us, you can just <laughs> go online to alfas.org, correct? Yeah, exactly. And you get tickets that way, the fancy new And you have to not
2: be a shut in. Well,
1: yeah, and try to, to come to, to, to opening to night,
0: to night. night gala. I mean, they have galas, they have parties, they have everything. But you they can have a just, lot of parties. Yeah, and you can bring, people bring their kids on the weekend. Like, this is a really great event for your grandma, for your kids. I mean, it's it's a community event.
1: But be very careful when you approach the old guy and say, what a lovely child you have. Like, that's my, my partner. That's a, yeah, Stephen Fry. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be there. Oh,
3: my. Well, we're going to take a quick break.
1: and we're, I can talk to you for the rest of the day. You'll stick around. You've got to ask me what I've been doing. Okay. We, we'll get to that. We're going to take a quick break right now. and We'll be back with film icon Tab Hunter.
2: And the beautiful and talented Patricia Velasquez from Liz in September.
1: And oh, wait a minute. We have a wait, giveaway. Wait, we do have a giveaway. Because... Wolf Video, celebrating his 30th anniversary as the lo- world, world's largest executive distributor of LGBT movies, they have been around for what, 70, 80 years. I think since it was VHS. Before that, <laughs> I, mean, I think they were just going door to door with some reels. <laughs> but I've got two copies of a great German film from Germany called "Of Girls and Horses." Oh yeah,
2: I should get that to my sister.
1: It's a great film. I if mean, you I like seen... girls or horses, that's definitely oh, got that to be my horses. sister. So this you got both. So <laughs> right now, call for, for your copy
3: of the film 818 Whistle, help me! I can't see that. Nine eight five five seven three five. That's eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. And those last four letters spell oh so cleverly K P F K. So call now, and we'll be right back.
6: Vito Russo and the Flicks coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. Author and gay activist Vito Russo was born in 1946 and later studied cinema at New York University. In 1970, he staged the first ever gay film festival to raise money for the Gay Activists Alliance. His life's work was an analysis of gay portrayals in Hollywood movies of the past. In a 100 years of movies, homosexuality has only rarely been depicted on the screen, he said. When it did appear, it was there as something to laugh at or something to pity or even something to fear. In the 1970s, he gave lectures all across America, asserting that these gay stereotypes in movies have perpetuated the oppression of gay people. In 1981, Russo's groundbreaking book, The Celluloid Closet, showcased his work. In 1996, it became a movie narrated by out actress Lily Tama. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, John Porter.
7: Hello, I'm Randall Kleiser, director of Grease, Blue Lagoon, White Fang, and It's My Party. And you are listening to IMRU Radio Magazine on KPFK-FM. 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at (laughs) kpfk.org.
3: Say for every
7: boy and girl, there's just one love in this whole world, and I know
1: I found mine. The heavenly touch of your embrace
7: tells me no one could take your place.
3: back. You're listening to I am RU Radio. I am Steve Pride. And I'm Abby Dees. And I'm Wenzel Jones. The time is now 7.31. And that song coming out of break was Young Love, which was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart for six weeks in 1957 and became one of the larger hits of the rock and roll era.
1: Yeah, actually, the singer? Do you know who that was? I do. Well, that is movie legend Tab Hunter, who's joining us right now via phone from his ranch in Santa Barbara. How are you there? How are you? <laughs> oh, my God, that brings back so much memories. I'm of an age when, to be very honest, one of the first movies I saw was my parents stuck to the drive-in when I was like five years old to see Ride the Wild Surf. Oh, my. And to be very honest, that was the moment I kind of knew I was gay and would be
3: dating blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Tab Hunter look-alikes for the next 20 years.
2: That's true confessions. <laughs> Too
3: and much as, information. And as we learned from Tab Hunter Confidential, that was the only surf movie he did. Yes. And yet he's been saddled with that surf image for the rest of his life.
7: Well, I was a little long in the tooth for that picture at that time.
1: <laughs> well, you were not only a film star, but as we just demonstrated, you were a huge pop star in the 50s.
7: Well, you know, they, they, that's all that labels of Hollywood. I was a product of Hollywood. And then finally, as I got working more and more, I thought, I've got to learn my craft. How do you learn this? you're thrown into it? And it's very, very difficult if you're a product of Hollywood.
3: Wow. Now, I was wondering, uh, because in the, in the Tab Hunter Confidential, it sounds as if somebody came up and said, do you want to sing? And you said, sure. And then you were number one on the charts. I mean, was that a function of a of, of well of confidence you had? Or was that a function of the studio system where you were turned into what they wanted you to do?
7: No, actually, the studio didn't have a recording company at the time. Natalie Wood and I were on tour in Chicago, and I just was singing, and, uh, and this uh, Howard, uh, Howard Miller, who was a huge DJ, said, you've got a pretty good voice. You ever think of recording? And I said, well, I can sing in the shower if there's a lot of, uh, a lot of echo coming back. And I used to sing in church. And he said, uh, would you mind if I introduce you to Randy Wood of Dot Records? So I met Randy. He played "Young Love" for me uh, one day. I recorded it on a Friday, and Monday I heard it on the car radio while I was driving down Sunset and almost hit a palm tree.
1: I've got to point out to people because something that, that we find out in Tab 100 Confidential, I can barely talk tonight, was that you are responsible in an offbeat way for the birth of Warner Records. Mm-hmm.
7: Well, Warner Brothers didn't have a recording company. What happened was I was under con. I cut the record for Dot, and it became an overnight sensation, knocked Elvis out of the jaw the number one slot and put my record up there. And then I recorded an album at Dot, and Jack Warner called me in his office and said, whoa, wait a minute, we own you for everything. And I said, but Mr. Warner, you don't have a recording company. He looked at me and said, well, we do now, and that's how Warner Brothers Records got started.
1: You don't get residuals from the company now for inspiring it. <laughs> now, Occasionally, I'll
7: get a record from I don't know who. A uh, check from some company down the road. I don't know who owns that record anymore. You know, they always change. It's like owning. It's like shooting a motion picture, and then years later, some other company owns it, not the company that originally shot the film.
1: Well, Tab Hunter Confidential was inspired by your memoir, which has the very same name. Why did you write the book, and how did it become a movie?
7: Well, I wrote the book because my friend Alan said, you know, I hear someone's going to be doing a book on you, and I think you should do it yourself. And, you know, I thought, oh, who'd want to read a book on me? He said, you'd be surprised. So I thought, well, you know, get it from the horse's mouth and not from some horse's ass after I'm dead and gone, because people will always put a spin on your life, and a lot of it is a lot of BS. So I figured, look, what have I got to hide? What the hell, I'm an old man now. So uh, that's what made me write the book. And then Alan said, I want to do a documentary on it. And so he got Jeffrey Schwartz, and uh, Jeffrey and Alan worked very well together. and it took them six years, and they put together the documentary.
1: But you're, You seem to be a very private individual. Was this hard for you?
7: Well, it was difficult being out there like that because, you know, I feel most comfortable when I'm just, you know— got a pitchfork full of the real stuff in my hands when I'm out of the barn, as opposed to all the other stuff. I've just never been really, I've never, being a public eye is not my comfort zone, it never has been.
0: But it's really amazing because this movie takes us inside these things that we've only just heard about. I mean, the, the life of a of a closeted celebrity in the 50s and 60s, and even tonight when you said, Jack Warner called me into his office, like, how many people can say that? And this that and is Hollywood. <laughs> I was on the road and with the movie, Natalie Wood. Yeah. No, I've got to, I've I was got to, on the Natalie. road with Natalie Wood. But this movie is such an insight, because we all heard about these arranged marriages and all this stuff. In this movie, you really take us there and tell us these stories. It's fascinating. Huh? Well, you know something?
7: The studios were run by moguls, and those days never will be again and Natalie and Bob Wagner and Tony Curtis and Piper Laurie and all the rest of us we were the end of the studio system Mm -hmm. we used to look up to the big stars who were ahead of us but they were all part of the studio well that sort of fell apart Once the live television came in, you know, television shows came in, people wanted real people in real situations from the influence of the European films. And it made a major, major difference. And studios were falling apart. They had to get rid of the theaters they had around the country. And it was a whole different ballgame. Now it's a huge corporations own these studios. They spend gazillion dollars on a film that, that to me is a bunch of crap. I mean, there are a few good films every now and then. You go, wow, what a pleasure to see that coming out of Hollywood with some creative young people.
3: And speaking of the studio system, one thing I've always wondered, when you have a name and a persona that was created for you, do you did you ever think of yourself as Tab Hunter or do you call yourself your real name when you're my yeah. friends?
7: Well, my real name is Art, Art Galeen. And um, the only people that call me Art were the people that knew me as Art. Uh, but, you know, I hated the name Tab Hunter when they first gave it to me. <clears throat> but uh, my agent said, look... When you see it made out on a check that said page to the order of, it's going to make a big difference. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that makes, that makes sense.
3: <laughs> and and it's mentioned, I think it was No Wiley in the, in the movie who mentioned that even in this day and age, there are still some big names who are still closeted. Do you think there will ever be a time when being gay will simply not be an issue?
7: Well, you know, I don't really know, but people—that uh, uh, is very true. Noah was absolutely right about that, and Portia also talks about that. And uh, you know, I think it's a very difficult thing for uh, for a young man or a young woman to be a leading man or leading woman uh, and 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 uh, be gay. Absolutely. Well. We're all looking now forward. you to... will see you, you will see a lot of character actors and, and and so forth, but you won't see the leading men and leading women uh, or, or who are out there.
1: Well, Tab Hunter will be scre- Tab Hunter Confidential will be screening at Outfest at seven p.m. on this very Saturday at the main theater of the Directors Guild of America, and I will be there in the front row.
0: Can are you I... coming down for the screening tab? Oh, absolutely. I oh, am
1: fantastic. so excited
7: that we're having this. that You all are putting it on at the Directors Guild, which is a fabulous <laughs> spot for it, and you couldn't ask for a better theater, so I am just thrilled to that.
0: And Jeffrey did the Veto. Your, your filmmaker did the Veto documentary as well.
7: Yeah, Jeffrey did Vito and he did Divine. I never saw yeah. Vito, but I, but Divine, he asked Alan and myself to do an interview for it, and we did. And that's when we first met um, Jeffrey, and that's when Alan said I'd like him to direct the film.
1: That's amazing. Okay, we have got to go. I need to talk to you again because we didn't even touch on the John Waters comeback. Oh lot, such a John. Nice right. So I, I will talk to so the publicist.
3: We'll get back with you yeah. and talk some more.
1: Okay, Thank whatever. You, Tab.
7: Whatever. Just call back. Thank you.
3: And now it's time for another DVD giveaway. This another time, one? Another one, I know. It's an, what are we away? It's an embarrassment of riches. This one is called <laughs> Tiger Orange. I love that film. Two estranged gay brothers attempt oh, yeah. to make amends in his charming small-town drama, and it stars adult film star turned leading man... Frankie Valenti, a.k.a. Johnny Hazard. Yeah. he it was very blood... good in this film. He's is really he? good. He okay. can act, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. Perhaps somebody I know will call in and win one. So once again, the number is 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. Those last four numbers spell KPFK and give us your uh, mailing address, and we will send you one. And the
1: winner from the first giveaway was the wonderful Diane Evans. Congratulations. Diane, come on, girl. You know, and this is from Wolf, and I have to mention the 30th anniversary, once again, 30th anniversary of Wolf Films. They have been at this and making this happen for so many years. Do you know
0: how they started? Lily Tomlin let them distribute signs of intelligent life. Did she? Isn't you that incredible? So stories. Lily Tomlin is responsible. Yeah, she came on board to support them. and then. But the amazing thing is how much they've grown and expanded it's, and what they do for gay films.
1: Well, speaking of gay films, another highly anticipated Outfest offering this weekend is the film Adaption of Jane Chambers' play Last Summer at Bluefish
3: Cove, which I saw at the center. You saw it in the production, too, right? Oh, I saw it back in 1982 at you the Fountain Jean Theater. Smart. Oh, well, Gene wow. Smart had just left the show, but it was still it was a wonderful
1: show. I saw it in
0: 2002. Show. We but, all saw it at yeah, some point, we've right? we've all seen that's that's To get our gay card. There, there, there's yeah.
1: a twist in this version that we'll get to later, because luckily is, like what have we, we have a... Producer of the film, who's also one of the stars. Would you like us to say the name for you? It's Patricia (laughs) Velasquez.
8: Welcome, Patricia.
1: Patricia, you're such a recognizable face. You've been in so many things. You started out as a a model. Mm -hmm. You've been called the first Latina supermodel. That's what they say. That's what they say. (laughs) I mean, because back then, it wasn't the look. You you had to work very hard to change perception.
8: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, sometimes when you... Well, first I have to say thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You, this is such a great vibe in the studio. Um, yeah, when I, when I, some, when you want to do something, and the reason why you want to do it is because you want to help, is somehow the universe just open open doors for you, and that's what
3: happened. Now before we get started on the movie I have to ask because I read that you have been part of the Miss Venezuela contest. Ah, yeah, yeah. And is it Miss Ven- <laughs> Miss Venezuela is like world famous for the take no prisoners approach of the contestants, isn't yes. it? I mean it is just bloodthirsty. Do you have any great stories from that? <laughs> you were not only a contestant, you were the first one. up. So you must have killed people.
8: Yeah, well, uh, oh, you're touching a subject that's a little bit uh, different. You know, I really just I, I I mean, there's nothing about me that is mm. like beauty contest, really. And I, I went there because, uh, as I talk about it in my book, you know, they there was somebody that really insisted, and I wanted to help my family. And they said, if you go, you are going to be able to help your family. And indeed, it do- it did open a lot of doors for me. Um, so it was sort of the seed. But I now I look back and I think um, I much more agree with natural beauty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it when someone that is this stunning says that I wasn't really the type. I mean because you are No, s- but I don't
8: beautiful the, I just, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. But um, I mean in in the, the idea type, of beauty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the, the fake big stuff hair, big the big hair and, and, and all that. I respect her. it though, I respect it, but it's just not my thing. Uh
2: yeah. it, but it sounds like you have actually been very motivated by the desire to help to get a story out to get information out in yes. almost everything you've done
8: everything if not I don't do it
2: if so was that part of why you got involved with this adapt, adapt excuse me the adaptation, adaptation. Thank, thank you, you. Um, right. of the film you know
8: I have to tell you that I am so Extremely thankful to Fina Torres, the director of this film, and everybody that worked. Judy Miller, who's our American producer, who had the original rights of the of the of the play, and uh, everybody that has participated, because this is the film that made me. Like they say, I don't like to use this term because it implies that I'm in a closet. But it's the film that this is because of this that I started writing the film and 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 I started writing the book. And so it has a, an an amazing message. And to take the the type of risk that Fina took with this film, nothing is the first ever lesbian film that has been made. She says in Venezuela, but I know is in the Hispanic world, period. Well, what, what, Nothing what, what has... was the
1: motivation to do it in Spanish and to do it in Venezuela?
8: That was really Fina's idea. Uh, you know, we were working on another project, and uh, she came to see a master class that I take here in Los Angeles, and I was just doing a scene of this play, and um, which I, we, I love. And when she started watching the, the scene, she says, I used, you know, I, I, I tried to, to get this off the ground, and then it just... Put that idea on her head, and then she went and talked to Judy and got the rights. And and, and then that's sort of the film that has taken over her life for the last few years and our lives, too. I mean, this has been a before and after, at least in September. And to see it being so successful in all the festivals that it has gone and now have the opportunity to show it here in L.A. really means a lot to us.
1: Earlier, I was a little disingenuous. I referred to you as a supermodel-turned-actress, which is not really the case. You've been acting for a long many, time. Many,
8: many years. Yes, yes. Many years. And you, and were I... you were in the
1: L Word. You were in Rustic Development. You had mm-hmm. an arc there. You were in The Mummy. Yes. You got a big role in The Mummy. The Mummy, mm-hmm. mummy Returns, when, which you really kicked some butt. Yes.
8: <laughs> Famous fight.
1: And you were in Celebrity Prince, which I do not want to get into. We would yeah. not talk about that. But you had a cause that you were fighting for. Sure. My and foundation. Tell me about your foundation. Yeah.
8: The, I started this foundation in New York in 2002, and and the, the reason it's called the Wayutaya Foundation. is, And the mission is to improve the lives of Latin American indigenous people. And it's amazing. I'm so glad that you bring this up, Steve, because, you know, people can say whatever they want about the United States. But I really do believe that this is the only country in the world where people really care about others. On the sense that when I do the foundation work, for example, they're help, helping people that they might never meet. And the foundation keeps growing and we ha- keep having the same helpers over and over and over again. And that could only happen in this country.
1: I, I read your book today, Straight oh. Walk, which Straight is a great walk. title. Straight Walk, A Supermodel's Journey to Finding Her Truth. And i learned so much about you. You do not come from money. Not at all. You come not from a all. poor neighborhood yeah. in Venezuela.
8: Yes, which is which is very much the day-to-day life of a lot of our, you know, I mean, I think for us to read about this in countries like the U.S. it sounds very foreign, but it's a, a lot of the
1: realities but of it made our me countries. But even if you about water, which I just take yeah, water, water by a Turning on the tap. Well,
8: not so much now in California. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, where are you? I mean, it's like my daughter doesn't in the open, you know, she's she I mean, really careful. Yes. Well, I think that was and... a big that was a bigger thing because. Not having water um, is very common for us in our countries, uh, but to have to carry the pockets of water upstairs for 15 floors sometimes, because the elevators never work that was the thing that really planted the seed of the desire to just, I mean, we're artists, but if you get involved in things that really are going to make a difference, like Liszt in September, like writing the book, like the foundation, or any of the things that that we do, then it makes sense. You know, it really kind of just makes sense.
3: Now, you've been involved with big projects like The Mummy 2, and then, of course, any TV show is this huge, well-oiled yeah. machine that you just get. But uh, Liz in September had such a charming feel to it. It was almost like a bunch of friends got together and said, mm-hmm. let's throw a movie. Yeah. Um, was it actually like that to make that film?
8: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, that really is just because of the, the director creates that environment, and that's what Fina did. And um, when she created that environment in a, such an a spectacular place that you see. I mean, Fina won Cannes Film Festival many years ago, and she's very well known for her cinematography as well. Um, so the film is just beautiful to watch. Um, that helps when you're in such a beautiful place. But shooting in, in in out in you know in these islands, it was very like you might have seventy, eighty people coming back at one a.m through the sea. some One time we lost one of the, of the boats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got lost. So um, it was very, very challenging. And when it's so challenging like that, the team has to stick together because otherwise you cannot. And why do the films stick together? One, because of the director. And two, because... We believe in the project so much, and all the actresses were very, very close friends.
2: Has the film been aired in Venezuela?
8: Yes, yes, it, can, and it what's was. It was reception. A, oh, very good. It was out, you know, like any other regular film. So, it, because of all the actresses, Eloisa Maturen, Mimi Lasso, Escobar, wonderful act, you know, Dana Garcia, who lives here in Los Angeles, um, uh, Arle Torres, and Maria Luisa Flores, and um, were so well known in the country that there was a lot of people in the box office for sure. <laughs> a lot of people going to see it. What is the situation
1: with LGBT people in Venezuela?
8: Unfortunately, it, I I I think Fina has done a lot with this film, and my book also I think is motivating a lot. We don't have any sort of rights. It's not you know uh, legal marriages doesn't exist or anything like that. So the issue is that you know when we have such a unstable political countries. It's almost like you are dealing with the day-to-day issues, just like having food on the table, making sure that you make home safe. If you get home safe, that's already a big deal. Um, and, And the electricity and just so much of the basic, basic things are not working right now that um, to, this seems something very developed for a country, but which it doesn't mean that uh, there is not a community that are not fighting for it. I actually don't think that the government would be against it. I really don't. I just really think that there hasn't been the opportunity to get there because the struggle right now is just too challenging.
1: I, I wanted to go back to the book very, very briefly because we need mm-hmm. to talk more about the movie. But there were two things in the book that really moved me. Your kind of a lesbian awakening when you met Sandra Bernhardt. Ah, yeah, Sandra. It was beautiful.
8: Well, she's a, she's wonderful. You know, she she really taught me so much. I mean, I didn't even speak English when I met her. So, so much of who I am today, I, I owe it to her because she really just... Took such a good care. Of. The other
1: thing in the book I really have to ask about was when you flew back from Europe yeah. to Venezuela or New York mm-hmm. to Venezuela to come out to your mother. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. you that's a good story. Yeah. for something. Tell me about that. Well, that
8: was the first chapter I wrote. That's the reason why the book is here. Um, yeah, I mean, I flew from New York to Marguerite Island, and then my brother lives in the sixth sixth floor. Um it was Christmas time so I just I was going to say it to my mom but I was so worried she was going to have a heart attack I hired an ambulance and they were. <laughs> the ambulance was waiting downstairs. That's a classic
2: coming out story that has to go into the all-time yeah, classic right? thing.
8: And then you know, so sweet. My mom. Well, I don't want to tell the whole story, but my mom was so sweet. She just started crying and said, "I, you know, um, I can. My poor daughter. I can only imagine how hard it has been for you all these years." But then, look at what happened. Uh, this image of the ambulance flying, going, just riding away. <laughs> but at the same time, then we started hearing, hearing uh, gunshots. So I'm like, okay, great. Now my mom didn't have a heart attack. Now she's going to get a bullet through the window, so they just go inside.
0: That's beautiful. Well, the movie is going to be, I think, a huge hit at Outfest. I hope so. I had to kind of chuckle towards the beginning of the movie if I could tell the audience, like, you've got a woman whose car or truck breaks down outside, basically, a sexy island commune of lesbians.
8: Yes. I started to kind of chuckle because I was like, (laughs) look what
0: she wandered into. And And the movie doesn't give it away right away, but I'm like, hmm, it's only women hmm, mm. there are no men. <laughs> yeah. And they are, like you said, they're all very accomplished actresses. Very, And very attractive. But yeah. um, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be such a hit at ArtFest." It's and it, really, really
8: cute. I and think it's f- a
0: very serious, yeah. touching very. movie. Very,
8: well, I think this is what's so brilliantly done by, by Fina and, and you know, adapting it. Because, I, this yeah. Move,
1: this
0: movie, when I saw the play
1: like 10 years ago, I thought no, this was... No, the, no, the no, the play that was based the play? on Last oh, Summer yes. at Bluefest, yeah, Blue last summer, Co. Bluefish Co. Yeah, Last Summer at Bluefish go I remember thinking this really is more cinematic than theatrical. Yes. So it's really overdue that this was done.
8: So much. And I know that they tried to get it off the ground and they weren't able to. And now it's so great that FINA was able to to do it. And they're very happy with it. I mean, we've been in a few festivals and won quite a few audience awards already. So to be here in L.A. and Outfest, which is where most of us live, is such a great opportunity. And I think the audience is going to connect with it because... You know, I mean, Wolf videos, they were doing such an amazing work at advertising it and just putting it out there. And the message has such a sweet... The the film, it's just sweet. The message is sweet, but it's also very profound. And everyone will relate to one character. Yeah. Well, and one great thing about the film is it,
3: it feels like a classic film Almost one that was made twenty years ago, because it pulls from a story that was that was yeah. done before these had become established. Yeah, tropes.
8: and 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 what what Fina also did is that uh, she updated it. She, she says, mm. well, this this play we have to make it uh, actual right mm. to now and and we have to just add this venezuelan and latin flavor and i think this mix of tragedy and comedy just takes you in this ride that when you come out you don't realize that it's already finished and it moved every emotion
3: but well, and it's just uh, <clears throat> i mean i just have to betray my ignorance of southern american culture if you said something in venezuela does that become very regional or is it like open to the whole south american culture
8: um, no, well, Venezuela—it it is regional in the sense that we're one country. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think as Latins, as we can yeah. see now that you didn't want to, now that we didn't want to talk about Trump, you know, we are a big mm-hmm. culture, <laughs> and we are a very big culture. So when it comes about being Latin, I think we we are, we we're have very s- much of the same values.
1: Skillfully avoiding talking about Donald Trump, who fired <laughs> you at some point. Yes. Chagrin? No shame, no, no shame. shame. No, no, give give us your website because I love your personal website for oh, people thank who are listening you. and thank want to you. know, who is this woman? Why were yeah. I I seeing her? Because you have like a thousand magazine covers and yes. you're, you're uh, real
8: there. Yeah, it's just Patricia Velasquez. You know, I, I pronounced it the American way. So you know, <sighs> uh, dot you. com. Okay. and um, there's there is a lot of information, but I I'm, we. I personally have to say thank you to all the LGBT community because ever since the book came out and now the movie, you guys have supported me so much and... I have no idea that this was going to turn into such a big thing, and I'm extremely, extremely, and
3: deeply grateful. Well, thank you for coming in because you're glamorous for this room. I'm telling you, yeah. Yeah. oh and yeah, and and right. so with happens, my boots. With gay man. Again, the book is called Straight Walk, so get that on Amazon. I did today, and I loved it. And the movie, and the movie is in September, is playing at four thirty p.m. on Saturday in s- the main auditorium of, of the Directors. Oh, Sunday, Sunday, four thirty. Okay. okay, Sunday, four thirty, and that's at the Directors Guild of America yes. on beautiful Sunset Boulevard. So happy,
8: we'll be, we'll all grab- and you'll either. be there and and Eloisa oh, and Mimi and pretty much a your lot your of the back. cast there are a
1: thousand stories in that book I want to talk so, oh, about oh yeah
8: anytime I would
1: love to okay, well, you come
8: back anytime you want just give us a call Absolutely. we're here we'd love to talk I had to drop by and thank you for my Twix
1: oh thank you <laughs> I mean, in your book you explain that's what you live on that's yes what models I do there's a model Twix. diet yeah
8: mm. now I have and a whole cigarettes. bag I used
1: to live on Twix but I didn't become a model I just couldn't <laughs> well that's the end of our show our thanks to tonight's director Vash Bodhi coordinating producer Steve Pride that's me Social media's are Ms. Barbecue and our Rainbow Minute producers, Judd Proctor and Brian Burns.
2: Follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, where the link to the latest show is posted by noon every Tuesday.
3: And since we've just spoken with two out actors, I can't help but wonder about the rest of those Tinseltown thespians. We've got
2: all two of them here.
1: We close with that question from the 1995 hit show <laughs> Forbidden Hollywood. Good night. Good night. Good night.
9: Hose gay in Hollywood? Who's homosexual in Hollywood Who's undetectable, acting troll? And who at Metro has locked their closet door tight And who at Warner's hides boys in corners And tell me who Madonna talks in at night Who's gay in Hollywood Find me one lesbian in Hollywood I know for sure it isn't Jodie Foster Boy, that would cost wherever you are. <laughs> oh, come on now. You know, it's very chic to be gay. Really, it is. Why, 10% of the world's population is. So how come I can't find one in Beverly Hills? Ah, uh, well, you know something. I'm beginning to think that there's a cure for homosexuality. A SAG card. <laughs> but you know, I think I'll find me one gay movie star this dump tonight if it kills me. you got me in my searchlight here. Hmm. How about you? No? Well, just gotta keep on looking Who's gay in Hollywood? There must be one gay star in Hollywood Since I'm Bette Midler and the Perry Como My fans are homo And in New York I'm a star But out in Brentwood No culture gent would Admit that he plays Gypsy Wallet Coming out would cause an awful panic from Cher to Zanuck and cause them their hide. No, no one here is queer. Just go ask Richard Gere. Who's gay in Hollywood? Just read the papers. He's straight, not gay. No way, hey, hey. Who's gay in Hollywood?